0: We're expectant and excited about where we are right now, where God's taking us as a church, and where we're going. And uh, I want to just say to you that today is a significant day, and it doesn't feel like it because we're online. And it always, it's better when we're in the room. But today is very significant, and uh, God's going to do something so profound in your life if you'll yield to Him, if you'll listen. To the words of, of Jesus today, if you'll listen to the Holy Spirit, uh, He wants to touch us, change us, transform us uh, because we are in a powerful moment as 24 7 church. I believe God's doing this across the earth, uh, He's mobilizing the church like we've never seen before. Uh, But we have the privilege of uh, expressing the kingdom through 24-7 churches, our local community, as our local family. And uh, we're in a profound and and important moment where we have had, for the last, I'd say, five, six weeks, we've had just incredible invitation from the Lord to say yes, where He's been ministering to the heart of our community. We have encountered Him in ways we've never encountered Him before. We've seen a response in our services and our gatherings like we've never seen. Uh, We've had such a powerful time. Uh, with guest speakers that have come in at the right moments for the right times. And, uh, and we are positioned right now for the glory of the Lord. And we've come to a day like today when the invitation and the response to that invitation gets tested. And before you can move into a next level or a next realm or a next expression or weight of glory, what you have said yes to in your heart will be tested. And the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is that he is partnering with Jesus to build the church, to build a bride for his glory. Uh, you know, there's, he could come and just take a few individuals that have said yes to him and go and change the world, but he's chosen to do it through the church. And so he takes his time to make sure he gives everybody an opportunity to say yes. And we're in a moment where the invitation that we've, we've seen over the last six weeks, the response that we've given where we've said yes, now has come a test to solidify that yes in our hearts, to say, do we mean what we're about to say? Because if we do, we're about to go into glory, but with that comes a cost. With that comes sacrifice, just as my dad and my mom were sharing, it looks like something. And uh, so God's giving us an opportunity right now to make adjustments in our heart. Uh, and, and that's a beautiful thing. I want to say this in Hebrews. I was reading this last night, and I was so encouraged. Do you know that if we, if we do not allow ourselves to be disciplined by the Lord, we are illegitimate. But those who allow themselves to be corrected, to be disciplined, to be adjusted by the voice of God, those are legitimate sons and daughters of the kingdom. And so when we allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts, it's actually a beautiful thing. It's not something to cause us to to be upset or offended. It's actually, if we are offended, it's only to be free. And so we want the Word of God and the Word of, of the Holy Spirit as He begins to minister the Word to us today. We want it to challenge us. We want it to convict us. We want it to correct us so that we can begin to walk in what God's called us to do. And so we're in this time, and there's a couple of scriptures I want to read today. Um, but I want to just say, say this. We are coming to a moment and an expression and a, and a time in history where the church is going to require great courage. And uh, I could feel it in this moment, and there's the tension of, of when we decide to jump. And that's okay. Uh, God is so beautiful. He's so uh, pastoral and loving, and he, he comforts us in the midst of really uncomfortable situations. But the time is coming where the true church of Jesus Christ is going to make a stand. Where Isaiah 60 and the prophetic words that we love to sing about and pray and quote in our pre-service uh, uh, prayer meetings or at our midweek prayer meetings, arise and shine. The reality of words like that are coming now, and it's not because we are called as the people of God to be in any form of rebellion, because we are not. Uh, We are not a people of a rebellious movement that are trying to make a point or trying to rebel against our governments or anything like that. We're a people of honor. We love our governments. We pray for them. But we're a people of the kingdom of heaven, and every other throne is under His throne. Every other name is under His name. There is no such thing as operating in honor outside of honoring God first. If we have to honor by actually coming against the kingdom of heaven, we are operating in dishonor because true honor can only come from submission to the king. And so I want to say to us that we're coming to a time where we're going to have to make a call. We're going to have to make a stand. And you might be hearing me today and you might be misunderstanding what I'm saying. I am not talking about rebellion but I am talking about a time where the church comes into the eternal reality of who we are in Christ, where we begin to walk in the power of the gospel and where the demonstration and the signs and the wonders of the kingdom of heaven are so evident in our lives, in our community, as the church, wherever we are, in whatever city, and the kingdom of heaven will be advanced, it will be established, and nothing will stop God from doing what he wants to do. There's a narrative right now. I'm stealing that word from Damien. It was a great word earlier when he was praying, narrative, and that's a key word. There's a narrative right now and it's the the, the narrative of the enemy and it's that everything is shutting down, everything is stopping. Soon you won't be able to travel, you won't be able to go anywhere, you won't even be able to gather as the church, you won't be able to do any of this stuff. It's the narrative of the enemy and we as the church are not called to believe that or even give it the slightest time of day. See, because the reality is That's what it looks like all around us. That's exactly what the enemy wants us to believe. That's the distraction that's screaming at us all the time. But the narrative of the kingdom of heaven is that he said the gospel will be preached to all creation and then the end will come. And there's still 3.2 billion people who don't know the name of Jesus. And, he, and God's chosen to co-labor with His church to reach those people, which means the borders will be open, which means we will be going through the nations, which means we will be gathering as the church, we will be enthroning Jesus in our cities, and we will be seeing the kingdom of heaven and the family of God established in this city, in Johannesburg, in Gauteng in South Africa, and to the ends of the earth. And so I don't really, I'm not, I'm not too concerned with how many people agree with that or not because it's the word. And so this is not me trying to win votes. I don't really care about your vote. I've, I've died and I've given myself to Jesus and I'm alive for his dream. And if you're watching this stream and you belong to 24-7 Church, then you belong to a church that is fully given to the glory of God and the dream of his heart. And so we will devote our lives to enthroning him, to prioritizing his presence, and to taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. We will see the Great Commission fulfilled and we will give our lives until that day is fulfilled. So I want to encourage you as the church. I want to share on something today that, that may challenge you, um, and it's a good thing, it's challenged me. Uh, on Friday night, I was just praying, we had to make the decision to, to go online, and uh, we were just navigating what that was going to look like. And as I was praying, I felt the Lord say, "Con, I'm going to use this as a window. It's a moment. And this live stream that you're watching right now, whether you're watching live or you watch this later or whenever you watch this, it's a window. It's a moment. Because I'm telling you now, as the church, we are going to stop being so concerned with uh, being relevant, stop being so concerned with trying to make it easy for people to feel like they belong to something that they would throw under the bus tomorrow. We want to make sure, often as the church, that we make it so easy for people to attend, so easy for people to feel like they belong so that we look successful, but the reality is in the measure of the kingdom, there's no substance. Because in the measure of the kingdom, you're either alive in Christ or you're dead. And so what, what we've found is we've been so after trying to make it comfortable and easy for people to say they belong to a family that really, they don't really even care. And so we're in this, this beautiful moment now and this window. And today is that window where you are looking into the the heart the culture the values the vision the moment that we are in right now as 24 7 and how we're going to go forward in the glory of the Lord and I say this this morning with absolute humility because I know in and of myself I have nothing to give nothing to offer and I know uh, as a team and, and even the guys that are here in this room we know that we are so dependent on the Lord to do what he's called us to do we 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 claim we claim no ability in and of ourselves Uh, As 24-7 church, we don't believe that we've got something that others don't or that we're ahead in some way. No, we're just longing and aching to give everything to the Lord and to see His glory established on the earth. Really, we're just a group of lovesick, laid down, lovers in the dirt, (laughs) who just want to say yes to Jesus. But it means something. It looks like something. And so I was praying. On Friday night and I felt the Lord say that this would be a window and so I want to I want to say to those that are looking in if you know you don't belong I'm not saying attend I'm saying if you know I don't belong yet to 24-7 or to the local church or to the family of God or maybe I'm looking in and I'm looking for a place to to put my roots down in the community in the family so that I can bre- begin to produce the fruit of the kingdom I'm saying to you look in and look close because I pray today that what you would see is not gifting, no man, no woman, no personality, not even an anointing on a specific life, but that you would see the King of glory. That as you hear the gospel preached today, that you would hear the heart of the Father wooing you and drawing you to his heart to say, Come into the kingdom, my beloved. That's the desire of our hearts today. This morning I would like to, to talk. Huh, I'd like to talk about superficial. Versus supernatural. I want to talk about superficial Christianity versus supernatural Christianity. And I'd like to to read to you the definition of superficial. Superficial means this. Appearing to be true or real only until examined more closely. It's a lack of depth. A lack of character. A lack of truth. It's surface level. And I believe there's an invitation from the Lord to the church to come out of superficial Christianity and into supernatural Christianity. See, superficial Christianity looks like this. You might find that you agree with Christian virtues. You might find that you even enjoy and agree with the Christian way. But your life has no Christian impact because you're not given to Christ. Superficial Christianity is surface level Christianity where I can go an inch deep and a mile wide. Might have a lot of information, a lot of knowledge. I Might be able to, to quote scriptures, attend services, but my life is not given to Christ. And it's why we don't see the supernatural depth of our Christian life. Because in order to have that depth, we have to die. In order to live in the supernatural, we have to be fully given to the Lamb. When I was looking this up, I, I, I did some research and I found some disturbing statistics for the Western church, for the Western expression of the church. Uh, and it was this, that, you know, if you were to, if I was to take everybody listening to the sermon right now, and I was to ask you to repeat what I've just said to you, at least half the congregation would not be able to write down what I've just said. And when I read this, I was a little bit shaken by that. I thought, man, it's because... We've gotten so used to superficial, shallow, surface-level Christianity where we've got good at listening to sermons, nodding our heads in agreement, but we lack the depth and the substance of the supernatural in our lives. God wants to rid us 24-7 of superficiality, and He wants to bring us into a supernatural encounter with His Word that will change our lives forever. If you've got your Bibles, will you turn with me to Luke chapter 8? Luke chapter 8, from verse 4, we see the parable of the sower. And I just want to touch on this, and then we're going to jump across to Revelations. But this is important, and I pray that as you hear this part of the word, that you would allow your heart to be adjusted and and positioned to receive the seed of the gospel. So let's read Luke chapter 8, verse 4. I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, When a large crowd was gathering together, the people from city after city were coming to him. He spoke to them using a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the sky ate it up, and some seed fell on shallow soil covering the rocks, and as soon as it sprouted, it withered away, because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out, and some fell into good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear and heed my words. Let's just jump down to verse 11. This is where he explains it. Now, the meaning of this parable is this. The seed is the word of God concerning eternal salvation. Let me just pause there. The word of God, the message of the gospel, it's concerning eternal salvation. It's not a motivational feel-good preach or sermon that we're talking about. We're talking about eternal salvation, the message of the gospel, the word of God. It says, those beside the road are the people who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes the message of God away from their hearts so that they will not believe in Him as the Messiah and be saved. This is what happens when the gospel is preached to people that are lost and stuck in darkness and have not got ears to hear, and the devil robs them of receiving that word. Verse 13, those on the rocky soil are the people who, when they hear, receive and welcome the word with joy, but these have no firmly grounded root, superficial. These are people with a little bit of soil, but it's real shallow, there's no depth. They receive and welcome the word with joy in the moment. Listen to this as they believe for a while, and in a time of trial and temptation. They fall away from me and abandon their faith. I think there's a lot of people today in the Western church that are living in that superficial reality of in the moment that the word is is sown or released, there's a little bit of soil to receive it with joy. But the moment that it's examined, looked at a little more closely, tested, where there's trial, testing, or tribulation, suddenly there's no depth to be rooted and grounded and produce fruit. uh, fruit. And so they fall away, and it says they abandon their faith. Verse 14, the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, but as they go on their way, they are suffocated with the anxieties and riches and pleasures of this life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. There's so many people in the church today that are frustrated with their current condition but don't have the courage to die to this world. There are so many people that listen to the Word on a Sunday and are stirred and hungry and go, Man, I love this. I want that. But I'm not prepared to let my worldly life, these worldly things, things that have defined and shaped my existence to this point, I'm not prepared to let them die. And so what you see is Christians who are dead inside because Monday to Saturday speaks louder than what they receive on a Sunday, and they're not prepared to allow the other stuff to die. See, we have this idea that if we were to die to those things, that we wouldn't have anything. The reality is, if we possess God, we have all that we need anyway, and in order to to be entrusted with things to steward well while we're here on the earth, we first need to forsake them. You can be trusted with nothing that you aren't able to forsake. And so there's so many people that either have shallow soil or they are, the the word is being received in the midst of weeds and thorns. And it says here that it suffocates them. How many of, of the church today are feeling suffocated by the anxieties and the riches and pleasures of this life? The very things that we are living for. The reason why we're getting up and we're striving and we're working so hard and tirelessly sacrificing so much, but it's suffocating us. It's producing anxiety in the church. It's producing a dead heart. But then the moment that we feel like we have an opportunity to have something to say, we feel like we have a right to have an opinion, but our hearts are dead anyway. And it's funny, these people, it says they bring no fruit to maturity. So what you get is a, a bunch of people who start out with a language and no demonstration, until eventually they're just left with frustration. Verse 15, But as for that seed in the good soil, and this is what the invitation is for us as the house of God. For the seed that's in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word with a good and a noble heart, and who hold on to it tightly and bear fruit with patience. See, to receive the Word with a good and noble heart, it's, it's not something that we have to strive to do. It's, it's just called humility. See, we can't even yield and surrender to the Lord. We can't even give Him our lives until we choose to be humble. You know, God opposes the proud. And the, the reason why He talks about the, it being pride is because it's, it's pride that's really the only obstacle to yielding. And so if we allow our hearts to be humbled in the presence of the Lord, if we clothe ourselves in humility and receive the word of the Lord with gladness, we we produce good soil in our hearts and lives for the word of God to take root. And it'll begin to produce long-lasting fruit, not just a quick little explosion of fruit, but long-lasting fruit for the kingdom. And it says that we're actually to hold on to this seed tightly. You know, we so often stop there, that parable, and we don't read the next part. But verse 16 says, Now no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a container to hide it. It's funny that this is the same context. No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a container or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. This is the church. We're called to carry the light, to be the light. And God's made us a lampstand. We read in Revelations, there's a man who's walking amidst the lampstands. We're supposed to be bringing light to the world around us, bringing light to the situations that we find ourselves in, not covering ourselves, not hiding ourselves. Verse 17, for there is nothing hidden that will not become evidence, nor anything secret that will not be known and come out into the open. Now listen to this. So be careful how you listen. For whoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given. And whoever does not have a longing for truth, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away from him. That's really important. He says, so be careful how you listen. How are you receiving the word? Are you receiving this through your own personal perspective and lens? through your own experiences, through what you are going through right now, through your opinion and what you believe to be right? Or are you yielding in humility to the Holy Spirit with a teachable heart, listening with humility to receive the seed of the gospel? And when we do that, He'll give us understanding. But you don't get understanding and then get revelation and truth and and, and demonstration you have to position your heart in humility first. You know, if we don't have a longing for truth, it says even what we think we have will be taken away from us. So it's like even your opinions that you might think are right, if we don't have a longing for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even what we think we have will be taken away from us. If you'll turn with me to Revelations chapter 3. In Revelations chapter three, verse fourteen, we see the letter or the message to the church in Laodicea. Now, if you study this, there's there's a lot a lot of depth into these letters. Um, one of the interpretations is that this letter to the church in Laodicea could be seen as a letter to the end-time church. And uh, we know that all the letters uh, we're meant to read them and we're meant to to study them, and they're for us. It's all for us. But interesting that if we were to read this with an understanding of where we are at right now as the church, it suddenly takes on a little bit of a deeper meaning. To the divine messenger of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the amen, the trusted and faithful and true witness, the beginning and origin of God's creation. I don't know about about you guys, but if I read that, it's like, pay attention. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. This is Jesus speaking. Because you say, I am rich and have prospered and grown wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked without hope and in great need. Okay, pause for a second. This is our king of glory speaking to the church. He says, I know your deeds. You're not cold. You're not hot. You're lukewarm. Because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. He says, because you say things like this, I'm rich and I have prospered and grown wealthy and have need of nothing. This is not to say that, hey, oh, that doesn't relate to me because, hey, there's still times when I need something. No, this is about a group of people that are living their lives, making their decisions without any consideration of the lordship of Jesus Christ. In other words, they're living their life, doing things in this world without any understanding or or, or realization of their need for the Savior in every moment of life. This This is a group of people that have stepped out of the lordship of Jesus Christ and have operated in a selfish nature. And he says, you don't realize that even though you have all this material stuff, that you're actually, he says, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And then verse 18, this is so profound. He says, I counsel you. Now, this is Jesus speaking to the church, speaking into a current context and situation. And he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold that has been heated red hot and refined by fire, so that you may become truly rich. This is not an earthly riches. This is not an earthly material thing. This is eternal. He's counseling the church right now. He's saying, I counsel you, my beloved, to buy from me gold. How do you buy it? it it's, it's like the, the Matthew 25, the, the virgins with the oil. It's devotion. It's pursuing the Lord. It's seeking the Lord. It's the oil of worship. Are we, are we ready and expectant for Him? It's gold that has been heated red hot. This is fiery gold. And it's refined by fire so that we may become truly rich. He says also that we would have white clothes, representing His righteousness, to clothe yourself so that the shame of your nakedness will not be seen. He wants us clothed in His righteousness. And then he says, and healing salve to put on your eyes so that you may see. God wants to give us gold, eternal riches. It's the, it's the, it's the, the gold that's that heated red hot and refined by fire. He wants to clothe us in his righteousness. And he wants to put healing salve on our eyes so that we have the vision of eternity. See, if you take those three things, if we begin to operate just in those three things, we'll look very different than what we think. Then he says this, those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I rebuke and discipline. So be enthusiastic and repent. <laughs> See, when the Lord wants to correct and he wants to make adjustments and he wants to, to uh, you know, transform our lives, it's a joy. We want to we be a people that are enthusiastic and we repent and we return and we say, Lord, we were born for you. We were born for your glory. We were born for your kingdom. You must change us, transform us, shape us. We must be yielded. We must be humble. We must be teachable. Create in me good soil, Lord, that the seed of your word would produce the fruit of the kingdom that many would taste of the fruit of my life and taste the goodness of God. And the seed and that fruit would be planted in their own lives and produce new fruit that would begin to reproduce the kingdom of heaven on the earth. I'm enthusiastic to repent. Verse 20, this is powerful. I, I, the Amplified adds this, and it's so, it's so important, because when you study this, you realize this is actually how it's meant to be read. It says, Behold, I stand at the door of the church and continually knock. See, we've read this, and we think we're just talking about someone's heart. You know, Jesus at your heart, and He's knocking on your heart, saying, hey, when are you going to uh, open? No, no, uh, when it comes to your heart, die and live in Christ. It's not a, it's not a well, I'm, I get to choose, and you, you know, let me just see when I get to open the door. That's not how it works with our heart. There's not a a door there that he waits and he comes and visits your heart. You either die and you're in Christ or you're not. But here he's talking about the church. He says, behold, I stand at the door of the church and I continually knock. If, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. This is powerful. Firstly... This is scary because it's saying that the church can close the door on Jesus. And I think we do that sometimes. Globally, I think sometimes we close the door on the face of Jesus and we forget that he's the reason for our existence. He's the man amongst the lampstands. Without him, we don't even have light. But he stands at the door and he continually knocks and he says, anyone... Who hears my voice and opens the door? I'll come in and eat with you. I'll come in and have covenant with you. I'll come in and have fellowship with you. We'll be one together. This is the invitation to the church in this moment, in this hour, right now. Is he saying, "I know it's getting intense. I know there's stuff going on around you. I know Jesus is so aware of what we are in right now, what we are, the days we are living in. He knows." And he's standing at the door of the church and he's continually knocking. And he's saying, if anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will eat together. We'll have fellowship together. We'll have covenant. We'll be in oneness together. This will be the place where you hear the secrets of my heart. This will be the place from which we can truly govern in the house of God. It's in oneness, union, and fellowship with Jesus. But open the door. He who overcomes the world... Through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, I will grant to Him the privilege to sit beside me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down beside my Father on His throne. We've got this understanding that it's like because I said some prayer, I'm seated at the right hand of God. But are you in Christ? Because the prayer doesn't put you in Christ. The, The posture, the response, the faith in your heart does. And if you have that in your heart, it looks like something. It's not superficial, it's supernatural. It's not shallow, it's not an agreement with virtues and ways, but zero impact of Christianity because I'm not given to Christ. There's many people sitting in auditoriums today that are superficial, shallow examples of Christianity with no depth, with no supernatural encounter, and the reality is they are not in Christ and they are not saved. And we've come to a time in history where the Lord is not going to make it easy for the church to allow people to be a part of what we do without constantly getting the message of the gospel hammering against their hearts until they come to a place where they realize their desperate need of the Savior and they yield to the wisdom, uh, they yield to the wisdom of God, they die to the wisdom of this world. And they come into a new life as a new creation in Him. And they begin to belong to a family that's eternal, that lives according to a culture, a government, and a value system that is not of this world. That so far supersedes every aspect of wisdom and administration on this earth. And that's when we'll begin to see power and signs and wonders, not just for the sake of a meeting, but for the purposes of confirming the Word of God on the earth. See, it's when we open the door, when we listen to his voice, we have union and fellowship and oneness with him. And when we as the church corporately respond to the man amongst the lampstands, then we sit in him at the right hand of the Father and we administer and demonstrate and facilitate the victory that Jesus paid for. I want to say it like this, I won't say the, the word because you never know these days, but there's a virus on the earth that has built itself a kingdom, it has a culture, it has its own form of government, and it's dictating to society how we live our lives. And it's the strategy, the narrative, and the plan of the enemy. And it's an attempt to slow down what God is doing on the earth because he can't stop it. So it's an attempt to slow it down. But I want to make this clear. There's not two kingdoms at war with each other. This is not the kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of light. There's a kingdom of rebellion and there's a kingdom of victory. And victory is going to happen regardless of rebellion. It's just to make sure that we don't start operating in, in, a, in the, this kingdom of darkness and partnering with darkness when we're called to walk in light. And so I want to encourage you that this is not a fight we've won. But what we are called to do is make sure we understand that we've won and that we administrate the victory of the cross on the earth. That's why this virus will not stop us. And it's why we need to, to get this gold, this burning red hot gold refined by fire that's eternal. Because the reality is with this kingdom of darkness has come, what's a nice way of saying this, stupidity across people that we've never seen before. And we've become arrogant in the stupidity. And I I say this today with all the love in my heart. But when we yield to the King of glory and we yield to His wisdom, there's a more excellent way every time. And it is the way of love. But love doesn't look like tolerance and, and, and rolling over. Love looks like truth expressed and lived out in the family of God that brings transformation. See, the reality is you can use the wisdom of this world and see no transformation No change, no power, no demonstration, and then we're just a bunch of people with some words. Or we can yield to the kingdom of heaven and be an answer, a solution to the darkness around us because we carry the light. Are you with me? And so, you know, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, you can turn there real quick if you can. 2 Timothy chapter 3, just real quick, it describes some things that we often read and we think, yeah, that's right, society's going to get real crazy, but we don't understand that when Paul writes this, he's talking about this happening in the church. He says, but understand this, 2 Timothy 3 verse 1, but understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come, difficult days that will be hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self, narcissistic, self-focused, lovers of money, impelled by greed boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. And they will be unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, devoid of self-control, brutal, haters of good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of sensual pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of outward godliness, although they have denied its power, Listen to this. Amplified says it like this. For their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. And Paul says, avoid such people and keep far away from them. I'm sorry, why are we as the church trying to make it easy for these people to find a place in the church? Rather than actually just all of us humbly coming before the Lord saying, Lord, we want to be obedient to you. We all know this is not about anyone being better than anyone else. This is about simple obedience to the Lord. Lord, have my heart. You must have all of me. I want to follow you to the ends of the earth. I don't want any of this in my life. I want to be yours. And if I do that, I'll walk in an authentic expression of the gospel, true power, where there will be true signs, of one, signs and wonders, and the church will advance in purity. See, so often we're, we so want purity of His presence, we so want to see the church mature and go into what we're called to, We're we're, we're accepting and tolerating the ways of this world in the house. And so I want to say to you, you, when we read this, it's a little bit scary because this is inside the church that Paul writes this. See, I read this and I go, Lord, I don't even... I get nervous because there's a long list here. I guarantee to find one or two of these things in my life. So what do I do? I enthusiastically repent. And I return back to the gospel. And I say, Lord, again and again and again, I need you to minister the government of your glory. I yield. My tiny, puny brain does not have the capacity to figure all of this out. But I must position my heart in humility to be teachable, to receive the gospel, to receive the seed of the word of God so that I can be changed and transformed. The the transforming power of the gospel has nothing to do with your ability. It's just your yieldedness. It's just dying to yourself, giving your life to Jesus and allowing him to change you and transform you. He will do it. He is faithful. He's true. He's the only one who can do it anyway. He wouldn't pay the price that he paid on the cross only to make it difficult for you to live the Christian life. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given the church the Holy Spirit. He is the head of this body. He is the great shepherd. He is the greatest leader. His leadership is perfect. If he has ordained and put shepherds and leaders in the church, it's because he put them there. And his leadership is perfect, which means he trusts his relationship with them to lead the church. He's bringing back government. He's bringing back the order of his presence, the the government of his glory in the church again. And we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. But what I want to communicate today is superficiality is being driven out of the church. You will see a separation between the, the true church, the bride of Christ, and the apostate church. Because we know that before Jesus returns, there will be apostasy in the church. There will be a great falling away from the faith. And I want to encourage you with all the love in my heart. There's a shepherd in this house. And I want to say I feel responsible to make sure we preach the gospel in truth. That it's difficult to preach messages so straight and so direct. Because you have deep love and desire actually for, for the people that we lead. But I preach this out of love because I'm saying we're in a moment today. Where the yes that we've given to the Lord is being tested. And I'm not, again, I want to go back to what I said in the beginning. I'm not encouraging rebellion. But I am asking the question, are we living supernatural lives? Do we have a a supernatural expectation in the gospel? Or are we living superficially with a whole bunch to say, but no substance or depth in our lives? In Hebrews chapter 11, we know it's the the chapter of faith. But I find it incredible that these are people who didn't even enter into the promise that we are walking in today. But listen to what faith does. Chapter 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith, that is with an enduring trust in God and his promises, they subdued kingdoms, they administered justice. They obtained promised blessings. They closed the mouths of lions. They extinguished the power of raging fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became mighty and unbeatable in in battle, putting enemy forces to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured to death, refusing to accept release, offered on the condition of denying their faith so that they would be resurrected to a better life. And others experienced the trial of mocking and scourging amid torture. And even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were lured with tempting offers to renounce their faith. They were put to death by the sword. They went about wrapped in the skins of sheep and goats. Utterly destitute, oppressed, cruelly treated. People of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering in deserts and mountains and living in caves and holes in the ground. And all of these, though they gained divine approval through their faith, did not receive the fulfillment of what was promised. Why? Because God had us in mind and had something better for us so that these men and women of authentic faith would not be made perfect apart from us. If this is what happened, if this is what faith does in a people that don't even have the fulfillment of the promise of the Holy Spirit inside of us, I just say, Lord, in in this day and age, in this moment that we're in, what does it look like for me and you and us as the church to arise and shine? Are we rolling over too quickly? Are we bowing to another God? Or are we staying devoted to our King of glory, no matter the price, no matter the cost, no matter what comes? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to rid us of superficiality, shallowness, And are we coming into the supernatural reality of the gospel, the eternal reality of who Christ is in us? Chapter 12, and this is where I'll end. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before Him, endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing His deity, His authority, and the completion of His work. So just consider and meditate on Him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself, consider all of this in comparison with your trials, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What I'm praying will be received today from this message for my own life. I always preach to myself before I'm preaching to anyone else. It's probably why I get so intense. But I my prayer is that God rid us of superficial Christianity, rid us. Make it so difficult. Make it impossible for anyone to belong to the church, the family of God, and live superficially. But Lord, make us a supernatural people. See, here's the thing about being supernatural. You can't do it. It has to be the Spirit of God. So I want to invite you right now in your homes to repent. And I don't mean that out of guilt, shame, and condemnation. I mean it with all the enthusiasm and the joy that I have inside of me. I want to say we have a moment right now as the church to respond to the Lord. To say, Lord, we recognize that this is a test, a trial, and a moment of of saying yes to the Lord where He's saying, did you mean what you said? God will not be mocked. You know, we don't do what we do to pull off successful services. We're here for the kingdom of heaven being established on the earth. And so we're coming to a time, we're going forward like we've never gone forward before. We are going to go after the presence of God like we've never gone after His presence before. We're going to enthrone Him. We're going to worship Him. We're going to love Him. We're going to yield and die to ourselves again and again and again. And we're going to get filled daily by His presence, filled daily by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to yield our own dreams, our own goals, our own aspirations. We're going to die to those things, and we're going to be possessed by the dream of God. We're going to be filled by the vision of heaven. We're going to be totally clothed in the Holy Spirit in this moment to do what He's called us to do. And we will preach the gospel unashamedly, and we will see many people come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And we will preach the gospel unashamedly in this city, in this nation, and to the ends of The earth, and we will preach the gospel where it has never been heard before. And we will train and we will equip and we will send forth missionaries. And we will pray and we will pray and we will pray and we will pray. And we will not stop, we will not shrink back, we will not look to the right or to the left. We will keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the King of glory, He's the author, He's the beginning of our faith, but He's also the finisher and the perfecter of who we are. So we're going from glory to glory in Christ. We are yielded to Him, surrendered to Him, His Lordship. He's the head of this body. And we will follow no other. We will follow no other. Our lamb has conquered and we will follow him. And so I'm inviting you 24-7. I pray wherever you are, stand with me now. And we say, Lord, come and strengthen your church. Minister courage to your bride, that we will follow you and no one else, that we will not yield to fear. We will not bow to any foreign God. We will not yield to any kingdom of darkness. But we are children of the light, children of the day, living in the kingdom of light. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are Lord, that you are King that you have rule and reign and dominion over our lives, over our church. And because of that, Lord, we stand, we arise, and we shine right now in the kingdom. And we say, Lord, let your glory rule and reign in our lives and in this place, and in this city, and in our homes, in every marriage, in our children, in our businesses. And we yield to you right now, Holy Spirit. We repent where we've taken our eyes off of you, and we put our eyes back on you to follow you, Lord. And we say, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a privilege to be your church. What a privilege to be your bride. Father, I pray that as those have received and heard this word today, I pray that the love of God so clothes them and wraps around them, that you, the love of God would just take what's a straight and direct word and allow it to be received with humility and a teachable heart, even for myself, Lord, as you have shared the gospel today. Father, I pray that the seed of of the Word of God produces fruit in my life, in our lives. And that in a moment like this, we would position our lives in the hand of God to be the pen that He writes His story with. That people will look back at this time and eternity will remember this time as a defining shift right before the return of Jesus where the bride consecrated herself for His glory. Father, I thank you that there would be no guilt, shame, or condemnation attached to this word, but only true repentance and transformation. And that we would come into the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we go forward as a church. We go forward together as the family of God into more of you. Lord, I release healing right now over every physical body. I thank you for the anointing, the glory of God, to come upon all those that may be feeling sick or have any symptoms. Of anything, Lord. I just command healing. Father, I thank you for mental, emotional, physical healing. Yeah, Father, I thank you that you just minister the love of God to every heart right now in Jesus' name. So, Lord, thank you for your word. If there's anything I've said today that is not in your heart, let it fall away. But that which is of you, let it transform our lives in Jesus' name. We bless you and we honor your word and we honor your church, we honor your bride, but more than anything, we honor and enthrone you, Jesus Christ, our King of glory. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys, thank you so much for joining. I want to say to you that it's such a privilege, I know that's a, that's a pretty straight and direct word, um, most of 24-7 are getting familiar with that from me, so that's okay. Um, But I just want to say we love you, and we count it a privilege to lead this house, to lead this church. And where we are going, it's the best days we've ever had. We've we've never been here before. This is new, um, but the best is yet to come. And so I'm excited to run with faithful sons and daughters into the full expression of what God has for his church. There is work to be done in the kingdom. And so I want to say to you, get ready, get prayed up, get fired up, seek the Lord, pursue him, and let's run together into the more. It's such a privilege, and we look forward to it. So we'll see you on all our Zoom meetings in the week and for our our in-person gathering uh, on Sunday. Uh, We love you so much. Have an awesome rest of the day, and we'll see you soon.